0: There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports
1: injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here... With my co host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, we come to speak to you after a very long awaited decision. LeBron James finally makes his choice.
2: I'm Spencer Grossinger, your ever co host for Bruce the Sports doc here on the Voice America Sports Network. And LeBron James is coming back home. He grew up an hour outside of Cleveland. In Akron, Ohio, he played in Cleveland for his first eight years of his career. And in his article, he stated that Miami was like a college for LeBron James. Bruce, talk about the manner in which LeBron James made his decision and give your feedback on that.
1: Well, I think he learned a lot from his first decision. That is, he did not get interviewed by Jim Gray. He... Uh, He didn't meet with his teammates and predict many rings. He did the exact opposite. He was totally low key. He wrote a thoughtful article, which was delivered to Dan Jenkins at Sports Illustrated. And basically he said, there's not going to be any parties, no press conferences. It's time to get to work. And then he just poof and disappeared. And he went down to see the, the finals of the world cup. And, um, I think what, you, what you've seen and in, in the feedback you've gotten across the nation is that there is a 180-degree polar opposite feeling towards LeBron. Virtually everybody feels like he made the right move. He's going home. He's trying to make amends. And even um, Dan Gilbert was supposed to have flown to Miami under cover of darkness and met and patched things up. So it's really exciting right now. And... Let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers in the upcoming year.
2: If you don't mind, I'd love to talk about LeBron James, though, and the way he made his decision. Because in 2010, the way in which he made his decision was unprecedented in front of thousands of people in the Boys and Girls Club, an hour television special for basically only a five-word answer, which is I'm going to be playing for the Miami Heat. That's all he needed to say, but for some reason, he had to self-promote, use his charity. It was all about LeBron James. Everything about that night was about him and him being this great character. And for him to be insensitive enough to know that all the fans and all the boys in Cleveland that grew up idolizing LeBron for him to make that decision and basically say, I'm going to be a front runner now with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade in Miami. It really stuck a pitchfork in the Cleveland sports. And so for LeBron James, if he could have had that back, he did admit that he would do it in a more low key appropriate manner. Like every other player has made his decision, even though LeBron's a superstar. And the fact is, is that Dan Gilbert wrote a a letter that night about LeBron James calling him a coward, saying he betrayed a whole sports city, calling him a villain, and proclaiming that the Cleveland Cavaliers would win a championship before LeBron did in Miami. And he pretty much scolded LeBron James in a way that was completely over the top. And I think most can agree if you would actually read the letter. So for LeBron James to now go back to this franchise and trust Dan Gilbert, especially with all of the circumstances surrounding ownership in the NBA, the thing in Los Angeles with Mr. Sterling, an owner-player relationship, that's a huge deal. And for LeBron James now to head back to Cleveland in the manner in which he did... It really speaks volumes about LeBron's character, but I don't think anybody could really be upset at him going back home to Cleveland now. I mean, the only way you could well be upset is if you say, oh, well, now LeBron has the players to do it, and beforehand he couldn't. But uh, it definitely was a decision that, uh, that I'm much looking forward to as he goes to Cleveland now.
1: Well, I think the big question going forward, now that he's made the decision, there's been a lot of restructuring of the league, and a lot of players were really waiting for LeBron to make his move. And Chris Bosh, I think, was poised to go to Houston for a back steal, and instead, said Chris Bosh got a back steal with the Miami Heat. And obviously Cleveland is going to be loaded. They have Kyrie Irving. They just drafted Andrew Wiggins, and they have LeBron James. So Cleveland looks like they're in great shape. Other signings, you have um, the, uh, the Washington Wizards side Paul Pierce. And just recently, Chandler Parsons, it looks like he's going to the Mavericks now. Houston didn't opt to match his deal. So I think Houston, if you look at it, Houston's really uh, waiting at the altar. They failed on the mellow sweepstakes, obviously failed on LeBron, let Parsons go, got rid of Lynn. They, they still have Harden and, and Dwight Howard, but I think that's a team that was really looking to make a big move, and uh, th- they really didn't do it. I'd like you to let, let's, let's look at the East first and see how it stacks up in the upcoming year. Well, I look at
2: Cleveland, and they still have a huge lack at the four. Position Because even though they have Anderson Vergeau at center, who's a guy who could rebound the ball and could and, u- and can use offense in the way that he could hit pull back layups, he's not a guy that can create his own shot, and he's not an established post player in this league. He's kind of a junkyard dog out there that plays great defense, is very useful in a starting lineup, but does not have unbelievable finesse. You look at Cleveland right now, they could really use Kevin Love, and uh, or excuse me, Cleveland could really use Kevin Love because Kevin Love is the best rebounder in basketball, he's one of the best perimeter shooters in the game, and Love can hurt you from pretty much anywhere on the floor, and you look at the Miami Heat with LeBron James for the past four years, Chris Bosh played exactly like Kevin Love has played in Minnesota, on the perimeter. A stretch for not going inside that much, but hitting from the perimeter and just spotting up in the baseline. And Kevin Love, his jump shot—he is just such a—he's such a great offensive player. And Kevin Love is a guy that can really just score the basketball. He's just a great shooter, can make big plays. And he's an established player in this league. And for the Cavs to not trade Andrew Wiggins for for Kevin Love is just absurd because Wiggins is not defined offensively. Wiggins is an unknown entity. And Kevin Love is a superstar. And you got to make that move right now and win with LeBron because LeBron James is not that young. LeBron James is 32 years old. So you have to win right now and you have to make that Kevin Love trade.
1: Well, that's an interesting comment you made, but the word out of Cleveland is they're very emphatic. They're not trading Wiggins. They, they came out and said it yesterday in the news, and I believe them. They're not going to make the trade. They offered uh, a trade with Bennett and Dion Waiters in a first-round draft pick. They offered the Timberwolves for Kevin Love, and the Timberwolves uh, declined that trade. They do want Wiggins. So right now, Kevin Love is one of the few situations that hasn't been clarified. Many of the other free agent signings, Mello just signed a max deal with the Knicks. And a lot of people think that, that Mello did that move for the money. And there, there was one saying that uh, an agent said, if he has a top player, he said, he could get you on a winner. He could get you on a max deal. I'm trying to think of the third thing it was. But you, he can't get everything, you know. Can't get a max deal, and also the third thing is to be the man, to be the man on the team. So at a good agent can't get you to be the man, be on a winning team, and have a max deal. So if you look at that, Mello will still be the man on the Knicks. He'll have a max deal, but he's not going to win a championship. So I think they're pretty prophetic words. Spence, what what are your thoughts on the Knicks with Mello?
2: What that agent said, uh, I I don't really agree with what he said because you look at LeBron James and you look at Chris Bosh and Carmelo Anthony is not as good as LeBron, but he is definitely a better player offensively than Chris Bosh. And Chris Bosh almost went to Houston, got the max deal. was He would have been the man on that team. I mean, even though Dwight Howard and Harden are on that team. So I don't know. I just think that Carmelo Anthony is a guy that – Kit can really. I I thought he could have gotten those. um, I really thought that Carmelo Anthony could have gotten those luxuries. But I look at the Knicks now and where are they headed? You know, Raymond Felton at point guard, Amari Stoudemire. They they just they don't have any pieces on that team. Bargiani, they're just a team that's completely in rebuilding mode. So Carmelo Anthony had a chance to go to Chicago to go team up with Derrick Rose. I thought if he wanted to win a championship, he would have done that. But obviously, he just wants to make more money. And, you know, it's hard to comprehend these pro athletes because Carmelo Anthony has about, I'm guessing, $70 million stored up. Why does he really need that extra $50 million? I mean, wouldn't cementing his legacy among the archives of NBA history be, be uh, more of a priority for Carmelo than just stacking up his millions. But you see how fast these athletes blow money, and I guess money talks. But uh, it's just hard to really relate to, Car- to a guy who has that much money. And I-, I thought that for Carmelo Anthony in this stage of his life, in his profession— it would be beneficial for him to be playing on the biggest stage instead of sitting at home every single summer and watching LeBron and other guys get the spotlight while he's winning scoring titles but doing it in a meaningless organization.
1: We're soon coming to the end of this first segment. A lot of NBA talk, a lot of summer league. We are going to do a little World Cup, not that much. A very little bit of baseball, a little home run derby little bit of fun there so we really appreciate everybody listening to Bruce the Sports Talk of Voice America stay there we'll be back in three minutes
0: the fans now have a voice to speak their mind no holds barred they
3: ass and they move oh, I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All oh, crazy.
0: And he... <laughs> NFL, MLB, MLB NBA, NBA NHL, NHL. Speak up, speak up, or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around, ain't around here. here. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist, serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com.
4: Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lassiter.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportstalk.com.
1: Now... Back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a neurologist and pain specialist, and of course a sports doc in the Philadelphia and Delaware areas. If you're anywhere within driving distance of our office, give us a call. We'd be happy to see you. My co-host, Spencer the Wizard, really serves to do the sports analysis on the show. He watches a heck of a lot of uh, sports on TV. And reads a lot about sports. So we have a nice little balance here in the sense that I try to emphasize sports medicine. Spencer certainly offers his analysis. Again, we thank you for listening. We're midsummer, a nice, hot, steamy summer here in the Philadelphia area. And really, basketball's in full force. I don't remember watching so much summer league basketball. Quite interesting. We're looking here at a freeze frame of Steve Kerr and Luke Walton for the Golden State Warriors. And we just saw Barry Davis, who had a very interesting uh, haircut, a little bit like Lady Gaga, with uh, with spikes and gel. So we're happy for Barry. We wish him the best in his retirement. But let's jump right into it. Let's talk about power rankings of the NBA. Obviously, there's a lot of shifts, free agents, a lot of exciting talk. Spencer, let's dive right into it.
2: Well, I'm a guy who is a summer league geek. (laughs) I revolve my schedule based on the summer league schedule. And if a friend asks me to hang out or a pretty girl asks me to go on a date, I have to check my summer league schedule. Because if Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker is playing basketball, nope, take a back seat, pretty girl. I'll see you another time. I'm not a DVR kind of guy. So... The bottom line is I'm such a hoops junkie, but hopefully a lot of you guys are on our show since it's a popular American sport. And so your question was the power rankings in the NBA. And I'd say that the team that I'd rank number one is the reigning NBA champions from the great city of San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo, Greg Popovich and that smooth rolling machine that they have created in San Antonio. Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, Boris, Patty, Kiwai. You look at these guys, even Danny Green, and they just have such an established culture there in San Antonio. They're going to be so consistent. Everyone knows their roles on their team. Tim Duncan's got another year in him. And the big three in San Antonio. I just think that they're very consistent and they've been playing together. And they have inside-out technique. And in the Western Conference, I think that they can beat Oklahoma City or the Clippers again. So I'd look at the Spurs. And then in the Eastern Conference, oh, if Melo went to the Bulls, the Bulls would have clearly been my first choice for the best team. Because they have Paul Gasol. Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson, a big three. They are clearly stacking their team on the front line. And Doug McDermott. You know how I feel about Doug McDermott, listeners of this show. I mean, this guy is an offensive specimen. He could score on on every area of the court. He's a coach's son that clearly knows the ins and outs of the game, knows where to cut, knows how to get open, and he has an unbelievable three-point shot. So Doug McDermott is going to be a great addition to the Chicago Bulls team, a kid that will learn defense and be a huge success in this league. They're just lacking a shooting guard on that basketball team because Jimmy Butler is not the most talented shooter. Even though Butler is quick and his handle can be effective some nights, he's not a guy that could really hurt you from the perimeter. You have Heinrich, who is not as quick as he used to be. Dunleavy, the same problem. And then you have Derrick Rose that's a question mark at the point guard spot, even though DJ Augustine is a very formidable backup point guard. I still don't think their guard play is good enough to really cement them into that second spot. I would actually put the Oklahoma City Funder second. I love Durant. Westbrook's going to continue to get better. Mitch McGarry out of Michigan's a very nice addition to the front line there. Healthy Serge Ibaka. I like them. And then in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You still have to see how Wiggins progresses. Deion Waiters has to take less shots. Kyrie Irving is still an unproven point guard, even though he really had some flashy performances in the middle of the year last season. He still hasn't played any crunch time minutes. You really have to see what the Cleveland Cavaliers are about. And, Bruce, if you had to speculate Cleveland, what do you think is the biggest hurdle for their team? And what are you most curious to see when you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers this year?
1: Well, the the team's in transition. So one of the hurdles is... You've got a new coach who's an excellent coach, David Blatt, international coach, who's won all over the world, Argentina, Israel. In fact, we're looking at these uh, – we watch a lot of summer leagues, as I guess we don't have any life here in the summer. <laughs> but uh, you could look at, at Steve Kerr. You could look at David Blatt. <coughs> a lot of these young coaches are actually um, getting to know their rookies in the summer league. So I think it's a matter of bringing LeBron in. LeBron's a coach on the floor – and just seeing how they blend together. With Miami, if you recall, in the first year, there, there was a little bit of, of a transition. They, they actually had a losing streak early on. And the thing about the Cavs is they, they don't really have a winning culture. So can you turn it around that fast? Well, the one thing I could – I'll make an analogy to a different sport. If you remember the Colts, before Andrew Luck came to the team – they, they were just a losing team. And Andrew Luck came. And the quarterback is the most dominant position in sports. And he completely turned him around, and he, they became a playoff team. I do agree with you. I think Cleveland's a playoff team. The East, I think, is still weak. If you look at it, um, Cleveland has weighed. Uh, he, he really ran out of gas in the playoffs. His knees are suspect. Chris Bosh, I just think he's used to playing a certain position as as a – uh, supporting character, not a lead man. So Miami's definitely taking a step back. Indiana really had a great season, but they kind of ran into some chemistry issues at the end, and they're going to probably lose some of their free agents on that team. So I think they're going to take a step back. The Nets you know, had a nice push at the end of the year. I think they're a playoff team, but a mid-level team. Wizards, Toronto. You know, they're going to fill out the bottom of the, of the playoffs. But I do think it's going to be uh, – you're going to see the teams. You're going, to, you're going to see Cleveland, Miami, and Indiana, I guess, jockeying for the top of the East. Uh, certainly the Sixers. Interesting, obviously Chicago. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about Chicago before. I think Chicago is going to be a very good team. You know, you kind of glassed past Derek Rose, and he, he was injured. You know, he suffered – uh, he suffered two serious injuries in the last few years and missed the last part of the year. And if he can make a full comeback, obviously he's a tremendous dynamic player, and he is a great slasher. Um, I don't think of him as a shooting guard. I think of him as a scoring guard. And you put him with McDermott and Pal Gasol. I think you got the second best coach in the league in Chicago. Great fans, just a, a real history at, in Chicago. And Doug is certainly our, our college player of the year, the guy we covered the most. And we're really glad that, you know for Doug McDermott. He has a house in Chicago, a lot of friends there. And I think it's a great spot for him to develop his game. And as much as I felt that the, the Sixers would have done well to draft him, he, w- he would be part of uh, two to three years of just total rebuilding and it's tough to to walk into such a losing culture.
2: Yeah, when you look at uh, Cleveland, Ohio right now, they have Johnny Manziel, LeBron James, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett. So they have two first round picks, and then they have LeBron and Dr. Drew Kyrie Irving. So just an unbelievable time right now to be a Cleveland sports fan and to be a Cleveland resident. And for LeBron James to come back to Cleveland In the manner that he did, it just makes for an unbelievable sports story. And it was interesting in his Sports Illustrated piece how he talked about redemption and always planning to come back. He always had in his mind that he was going to be coming back to Cleveland. And that was really surprising because after Gilbert's letter, after the fans were burning his jersey, you thought he would just go out in Miami, win championships there, and he would come back to Cleveland very late in his career if he ever did. But the fact that this day has come only four years later is pretty is uh pretty remarkable, uh, to say the least. And personally, as a fan, I look at the at the um, Miami Heat and the people that go to their games. And I don't want to generalize, but they did have a history of leaving early, the Miami Heat fans. And you saw like a lot of people jump onto their bandwagon, the Miami Heat. They, they're pretty much like an expansion franchise. I believe they've only been around 15 years. They won one championship with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal. And they didn't have the best attendance in the NBA through the 2000s. And then when LeBron James came on board, you just see a lot of fans from different cities rooting for Miami and just rooting for them because of the fact that LeBron James is there. And you look at Miami, it's a beautiful place. There's no state tax. The weather's great. The girls are good looking. So... As a fan, I mean, it's just easy for LeBron James to go there to settle in. It's just as it just a favorite. They're just going to continue to win with Pat Riley. Eric Spolstra as a coach is such a young coach, but he kind of has a silver platter in front of him. And they're not used to adversity in Miami, really because of Dwayne Wade winning that championship over Dallas and because of how nice it is all the time there. But you look at Cleveland, it's not really a destination city in North America, and it it often gets bashed on by a lot of people. And Cleveland hasn't won a championship since 1964. In Miami, you have the Marlins that win championships, as mentioned, the Heat with Dwayne Wade. And a lot of fans... As before mentioned, we're not Miami residents that were Heat fans, but you look now LeBron going back to Cleveland and just the adversity that Cleveland has faced, the town of just hardworking blue collar people that is different from the Miami culture makes Cleveland a lot more likable, in my opinion. What do you think about Cleveland as being likable for LeBron? And what is your angle on this? Do you kind of share the same opinions that I laid out, sort of?
1: Well, we're going to have to wait for that answer. We've come to the 12-minute mark, and we're going to have to keep you guys hanging. We'll be back in three. flagship station for sports...
0: Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at Brucethesportsdoc.com Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit Brucethesportsdoc.com.
4: is a beauty. He's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a at the... got it with 2.8 seconds He's left. left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
0: From high school to the pros we, we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at BruceThesportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is the third segment
2: of Bruce the Sports Doc here On the Voice America Sports Network, I am Spencer Grossinger, your host of the show. And before break, we previewed a question that Bruce the Sports Doc would be faced to answer. And that is, what is it about LeBron James returning to Cleveland is more likable than the Miami Heat's LeBron James?
1: We touched upon this earlier. The the first is just the style in which he made his decision that is, he did it in a classy way. He was very uh, gracious. He stated that he had four great years in Miami. So he left really in a perfect way and showed a lot of respect for Pat Riley and the Heat. I think that everybody likes, the story for the NBA particularly is, is a great story. If You look at it, they couldn't have written a better script. Looking, looking at the last few years, you saw uh, you, you saw Dirk Nowitzki uh, win a really exciting championship. Then Miami came together and won, and won two rings. And, and I think a lot of people were pulling for San Antonio this year because they were viewed really as, uh, as the old guys on their last leg. And a great story of LeBron thumbing his nose at his team. No, I, I never really thought seriously that Cleveland would be able to put, put together a team that would be good enough to attract LeBron. And the big thing is they won the ping-pong ball lottery. That was just really lucky for them. So they're able to add Andrew Wiggins to already Kyrie Irving. you talked about Barajal. And now Palgasol, Gasol. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Dion Waiters. Uh, Dion De- Waiters, excuse me. So you've got a team that's got a lot of young guys, a big upside. And I think it's going to be really exciting. And I think there'll be total LeBron mania. It's funny how I, in my office, I I have a signed Cleveland Cavs LeBron jersey. And I always liked it. But when he went to the Heat, it kind of seemed like a little bit outdated. Now, the jerseys come back full force. And the only question is, is he going to wear 23 or is he going to wear number six? Uh, Maybe he's going to wear number six so we can sell a lot more jerseys. I don't know. But I think that Cleveland has become a destination spot. We spent a lot of time with the uh, lightning rod in football, Johnny Manziel. Very exciting guy. We've uh, certainly discussed his, uh, he's a very flamboyant guy with a lot of friends. And the fact that Cleveland, which was thought of as kind of a dull, kind of a black and white, gray, or, or you say blue collar place, certainly great fans, in, in you know, great football fans in the Dog Pound. And during the time when LeBron was there, uh, certainly they supported him. I understood that when LeBron made his announcement, they immediately sold out their season tickets, which doesn't seem like a great surprise, given the fact that LeBron is clearly the best player in the world. So the answer is, I'm excited about it. Uh, we've had a chance to, to meet LeBron, and, and uh, certainly he was very gracious towards us. And, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's fair or not, I tend to judge superstars and I judge athletes by the way I see them treat kids and the way I see them treat other people. And Le- when we met LeBron in New York City, even though he was jet lagged coming back from the Olympics in London, he couldn't have been any nicer to his fans. He had a lot of time for everybody, posed for pictures, signed autographs, and was not in a big rush. He doesn't travel around with a posse. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, he just had a couple people he was traveling with, and, and he's, he's right out there in, in public, and he doesn't – try to hide away from the crowd so uh, our, our meeting with LeBron was certainly favorable and it's just amazing how many people hold that one hour that one that one show with Jim Gray how he really um that really turned a lot of people against them. but I, I think if you were to poll the United States I'm sure I'm sure they're doing it I think people are excited to see LeBron return home and it's really a great story
2: if you look at it, let's look at the biggest free agent in baseball, which would be Mike Trout. If Mike Trout had an hour decision and said, I'm taking my talents to Chicago to become a Chicago Cub, I believe that the situation would be a lot different because the Chicago club, the Cubs have been a team of futility that has never experienced success. And I think that Americans and a lot of people Look at Miami as a spot to party. Look at it as kind of a fantasy and a dream world. And there are a lot of people living in the country that can never even afford to go to a place like Miami, Florida. So for LeBron James to kind of be fuming his nose at America sort of in his interview with Jim Gray. And just the fact that Miami just won a championship. The fact that it's such a, such a better destination for vacation than Cleveland the fact that they win all the time that Pat Riley's there that they already had superstars Americans look for adversity and my point that I wanted to make is that if Mike Trout said I'm going to be playing for the Chicago Cubs a team that's never won a championship in like a hundred years the situation would have been different and I don't think people would have got as mad at Mike Trout's decision. They would have looked at it as egotistical, but the fact is is that he was going to the Chicago Cubs, a team that's never won. So the whole circumstance of Miami, the hoopla, and everything combined just made Miami just an unlikable team in general.
1: Well, we like to contrast different sports. I think that's, that's one of the things we do on the show because I, I feel we're fairly fluent with, with at least the, the four major sports. And it's so funny about baseball. I don't really see public the public resenting teams signing big free agents because they're just accustomed to the Yankees and the Red Sox and the L.A. Dodgers having the money and, and spending the money on the free agents. So I don't see resentment towards the players. I don't – if you remember with Roger Clemens – He went, you know, the Yankees, the the Sox. Again, he's from Houston, played some with the Astros. I I think that in baseball, I I don't want to say there's not the same kind of emotion, but I think that LeBron, he was actually correct when he said he's the easiest guy to dislike, or he's the lightning rod in sports. And because he's, he's so blessed with physical talents, it's easy, you know, America likes an underdog, there are a lot of people who've found the decision a reason to root against LeBron. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Mike Trout, you know, he's a guy from outside of Philadelphia. He's from New Jersey. Certainly, if he came to the Phillies, it would be a, a very big story. One, because he's a native of the suburbs of Philadelphia. But two, because he's such a great player. You know, certainly one of the top five players in the league. But I, I haven't really seen that type of tremendous resentment I, in baseball, however, with respect to the steroid era, you, you can look at uh, the fans uh, really turning their backs on the people associated with steroids. Certainly, we look at Sosa McGuire and how they were really embraced. They really brought bat- baseball back from the depths, from the strike, and, and certainly, uh, I believe that the uh, th- those players are going to continue to be boycotted from the Hall of Fame. And so there, there is a resentment in baseball, emotion when it comes to steroids, but I don't really sense emotion when it comes to signing free agents in baseball.
2: That's an interesting theory. Now, if Russell Wilson made a decision like LeBron James to play for the Buffalo Bills, or if he made a decision to go ahead and play for a team like, let's just say, the Dallas Cowboys— There's a huge difference between the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys. And a free agent signing like that. Just like the Miami Heat and Cleveland are different. Talk about the differences between Buffalo and the Dallas Cowboys. Because that's part of my argument as well. That since LeBron went to Miami, South Florida, team with, with all success, no adversity. If Russell Wilson went to a cold weather city like Buffalo. Or if he announced the decision going to the Cowboys. Don't you think that that would kind of factor in towards the hatred that people have towards the situation?
1: I really don't believe that. Um, firstly, Cal- the Cowboys haven't won a playoff game in, in a long time. I don't think there would be resentment for a, a free agent. I think if I'm looking at the sport of football, I think what the, the, the biggest, biggest long-standing resentment is Brett Favre signing with the, the hated rival Minnesota Vikings. That certainly, in fact, if you look at the news this week, one of the big headlines was that the Green Bay Packers are reticent to retire Favre's number, in, you know, live in an NFL game because they're afraid that there's going to be too many people booing Brett Favre. So there's a, that's an emotional situation. Are people going to really care if somebody sides with the Cowboys? I don't really think so. They haven't won in a while. And... I think they're individual players that are some of them are more likable than others. But it looks like we're coming to the end of this third segment and we have some interesting topics to bring up. We're going to bring up the home run derby. I've been watching the World Cup, so I'm certainly perhaps in a minority in this household. And I I want to touch upon some of the events of the World Cup. I know there are a lot of World Cup fans in the United States. and This will probably be the last time we talk about soccer for another four years. God willing, uh, our show will still be around. So we thank everybody for listening to our show. This is the end of our third segment, and we'll be back in three minutes.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportstalk.com.
1: Now, Back to the show. Welcome to the newest segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're going to get back to our usual friend, the closed head injury, the concussion. I'm here with an actual live patient. We'll call him Steve S. We like to maintain his confidentiality. But Steve is a very wonderful guy who had a very bad thing happen to him. In May of this year, he was involved in an accident where his head was jolted around. He had an acceleration and deceleration, and he suffered a severe concussion. Steve is with us today, and what we're going to hear from him is his experience with respect to his symptomatology, and uh, he, he has participated in impact testing, and he's noted a host of symptoms. So firstly... Steve, I wanted to welcome you to the program. We're here on Voice America Sports, and you know me as Doctor Grossinger, but I'm Bruce, the sports doc. I wanted to say, Steve, welcome to the show. Uh,
5: thanks for having me. Um, my my experience has been that um, I uh, I have trouble um, recalling uh, what you, what I, I might have been doing in conversation, or what I've read, or on. Even what I'm supposed to do without making lists and reminders and things like that. And then uh, just the headaches have been really bad to the point of causing me to be nauseous or even vomiting it sometimes. Um, I I get dizzy sometimes and the injections help for a little while. But um, I'm kind of suffering kind of – this has been going on for a while, but – I'm hoping that as time goes on, uh, that things will improve.
1: Well, I wanted to thank you for that initial description of your symptoms. Looking at your impact score, Steve, um, you're very symptomatic, as you indicated. Some of the biggest problems relate to your headaches, your nausea. Uh, You've been having difficulty with processing. And And I want to also... What I what I try to stress is certain areas, headaches, cognitive processing, and sleep are areas that are very difficult. And I wanted to talk, have you tell our audience a bit about your sleep problem. Um, I, I, I have another
5: injury that causes me uh, problems as well. But I've had uh, the biggest difficulty with just getting to the onset of sleep and then... When I finally do sleep, it's four or five in the morning, and I'm back up helping my wife get the kids out the door. And uh, then I'm sleepy during the day, and uh, it, it it's it's kind of a vicious cycle where it, it um, I I feel like I'm not um, able ever to really catch up, I guess.
1: Steve Underwent impact testing, and this is very instructive. His first impact test post-injury was on 6-29-2011, which was uh, six weeks after his concussion on May 16th. His initial scores with the various composites were literally in the one percentile for the four parts, which were verbal memory, visual memory, his motor speed, and his reaction time. So his cognitive efficiency index was .06, which is considered a low score, and then it was below .2. He had some time, some treatment, and essentially a month later, which is 7-29-2011, today he has gone up in some areas dramatically. That is, his verbal memory has gone from 1% to 11%, his motor speed went from 1% to 5%, and his reaction time is up to 4%. Still in the borderline area, which is lower than... So just to recap, he spontaneously has improved, and that is often the case with concussions, but he's still in some ways in the low normal range, and his biggest problem is with visual memory. So as far as him being able to read and retain, that would be a tough area. Also, we talked about his headache. So how have we treated his headaches? We've used some occipital injections, which means injecting him in the back portions of his head. So, Steve, tell us a bit about your response to the injections. Um, the, inj- the injections
5: help for um, a little bit of time. Usually I've had them like once a week, and by the time I come back, I, it's, it's time for another one. Um, usually a lot of the times I've... Uh, uh, aggravated things with some of the physical therapy that I'm doing for uh, my shoulder injury and just kind of uh, moving my neck the wrong way. Um, but it, it does, it it helps considerably in stopping the onset of the headaches.
1: Now, I think it's important for the listening audience to realize that before your concussion, uh, and, and of course now you're still a very intelligent guy, but your job is, to do various consultation things, and that involves having to multitask, to deal with people, to be articulate. And since your concussion, I know that you're frustrated about how you're performing. Could you tell us a bit about your what you're experiencing f- from the concussion, how it impacts whenever you try to do something resembling your prior work?
5: Well, um, I I did some technical transfer work um, in the for the pharmaceutical industry. But my primary job was as, as an AP chemistry teacher, and um, I, I, since May 16th, I, I was unable to focus and um, do any of the work. And so I have been out on on long-term disability. I didn't teach summer school, or um, um, I haven't tutored anyone over the summer. Just until until I uh, kind of recoup my uh, my ability to focus
1: on. What I need to do. Well, I think that relates directly to how we're treating Steve. Uh, we talked earlier, actually last week, about how there are no medicines that have been studied long enough at Waldorf well that have been shown statistically to help people with concussions. So what we're doing now is empiric treatment. Uh, he is getting a combination analgesic for his headaches. He's receiving occipital injections. Just to let the audience know, these are injections. At the interface between his head and neck and what we're doing is we're also prescribing something which is a neurostimulant which is called Adderall and we started him off with 10 milligrams because I'm really concerned here's a guy who's a high-functioning guy who's done work in the past as a consultant who's basically totally disabled from working as a chemistry teacher so here's a really bright guy and any of you who remember high school and I being a doctor I can tell you chemistry is certainly one of the most complicated areas basically it really takes into account a lot of visual spatial ideas. it also has a lot of mathematics it's really a lot of algebraic formulas and physical formulas. there's a lot of physics and chemistry you can't really you can't really understand chemistry without understanding physics really so here's a guy who whose job is to teach you know uh, adults teenagers kids chemistry, and he just can't do it. You can imagine how frustrated he is so firstly uh, I'm, I'm going to continue with some of the discussion but I want to thank Steve for participating in the show. Thank you so much, Steve. You're very much welcome. Thanks for having me. So we've got Steve on his way. But I think it's very important for you to realize that concussions don't play favorites. They happen to everybody, young and old, every race, every creed, every color. And people can start off being extremely intelligent and accomplished like Steve. Some people start off unfortunately, they might have some pre-existing problems like a learning disability or attention deficit. And you could imagine we we add the concussion into the mix, and it, it really causes problems. So if we look at Steve, we, we look at his symptom complex, we can see how symptomatic he really is. He's still graded to be a 6 in headache with nausea and vomiting. He still has a 6 out of 6 in falling asleep relatively good with respect to his vision. That is zero, that means he hasn't had a problem with the brain stem area, or his optic nerves, or his occipital part of the brain, which is the back part of the brain. So that's, that's a good thing. And emotionally speaking, he's at a pretty even keel with a little bit of sadness and frustration, which is natural when you lose your ability to work when you require many treatments to see doctors, and when you require medications. And before this concussion, he was formerly extremely healthy. So in any event, you've now understood what it's like to be in the doctor's office to actually interview a patient and to go over the impact testing, which is software developed at the University of Pittsburgh. Kudos go to Dr. Mickey Collins and his staff for developing and servicing the software and allowing us to utilize it. And we're happy to certainly uh, speak about that software today. So, I want to thank you all for listening to this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for
0: joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grosinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.